there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Seth. And I'm Zach. And we are the Classic Gaming Brothers. We are the Classic Gaming Brothers. That's right. That's right. Welcome to the uh, beginning of the year, I guess. Yes, yeah. beginning of the year. Exciting. Beginning of the year, we could set out challenges and promises and goals. Why didn't we do that in our episode at the beginning of the that year last That episode last was, was very long. That's true. That's true. Then we had an episode about SNK, and now I'm just thinking about the future. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you're just now thinking about the future. It's. I mean, it's better to start to think about the future now than later. So, anyway, what have you been playing? Well, Seth, recently I've been playing a game that's a sequel to a game you were recently playing yeah so you were playing chips challenge i was playing chips challenge 2 i was recently recently most playing diablo but you have not played Diablo nor Diablo 2 yet, have you? No, well, I gotta go in order, because you were playing Chips Challenge before oh, you were playing Diablo, <laughs> so that's why I'm playing Chips Challenge 2. <laughs> are you going to actually play Diablo, or are you just gonna play Diablo 2? Well, I have a copy of Diablo, so I'll probably play Diablo. <laughs> okay, I just thought it'd be funny if you only played the sequels of the games that I played. That would be funny, and very in character for our family. Um, but anyway, Chips Challenge 2 uh, was released in 2015 by Chuck Somerville, who is the original creator of Chips Challenge. And it's the uh, Lost Long sequel to Chips Challenge. The game was originally intended to be released in around 2005, but the company that originally had created Chips Challenge that Chuck Somerville had created the game for, Epics, uh, declared bankruptcy and the rights to chips challenge had gone to bridgestone media who refused to release chips challenge 2 unless they were paid a large sum of money uh i don't know exactly how much the mo- uh, sum of money was it was an undisclosed sum of money that was very large and that chuck somerville did not want to pay so uh feel that chuck <laughs> at some point at least 10 years later he did find a way to get the game released without having to pay that much money and the game is pretty much the same as chips challenge one but with more maps uh and uh, as uh, some new mechanics so there's some new collectible boots so in the original chips challenge you can get boots that you can use to like swim across water or go across ice in chips challenge 2 there is a speed up boot that you can wear that you can go fast with there's also hiking boots for the character melinda because melinda who's a whole new character you can play as is able to walk on ice without slipping but can't walk on dirt without hiking boots so chip can walk on dirt without hiking boots but chip needs special boots to walk on ice or he'll slip can you have more than four boots no but there's now the option to drop boots which i don't know if was there in the first game so you can drop boots instead of um, having to go to one of the sketchy cia operatives who steal your boots they look like they're just like little pictures of guys with glasses and they take your boots that's right um so you can just drop them now um which is an nice little feature there's also some new mechanics in terms of like there's these sea turtles that you can walk on on water but if you step off of them they fall into the water and your path is blocked so you have to kind of like kind of mentally plan out your route before you start walking or else you'll lose your path and be forced to restart the level and like chips challenge one if you die uh you start from the very beginning of the map so or the very beginning of the level so if you are very close to the end and you fall into the water by accident, you'll have to start from the very beginning of potentially a very long level, which is very obnoxious. But such is these type of games. Uh, you can pick up Chips Challenge 2 on Steam. It's currently like $2.99 or something ridiculous. I got it for pretty cheap. I got it during the sale, but it's usually uh, a couple bucks, give or take. 
And there's a Chips Challenge 3. There's Chuck's Challenge. Is that also by Chuck Somerville? Yes. Chuck's Challenge is Chuck's Challenge 3D and was released before Chips Challenge 2. Chuck's Challenge 3D is the game he released during the time between Chips Challenge 1 and being unable to release Chips Ah. Challenge 2. It's a very similar game, but it's built in an entirely different engine and has different, like a lot of different mechanics it's like a shotorukin type situation what's the sokoban sokoban sure you can is the <laughs> street fighter roof <laughs> that's the, the shotorukin is the character that's unlockable in street fighter that you nope. cannot beat sure you can is the move that ryu does where he does an uppercut he also Shen tells Long people, is the character that is the lost character. <laughs> no, you you must defeat Shodorikin before you Yes, can... okay, yes, fair enough. Okay, there you go. Chip's challenge is like a Sokuban. Yes, yeah, it's block pushing, basically. You push blocks to get to place. Is Chuck's challenge 3D a Sokuban? Yes. yes. Is it in Chuck's... 3D? It's in, it's in 3D graphics. It's not like in 3D. It's not like stereoscopic. You don't have to wear special gla- glasses to, to play the game. <laughs> that would be great i would love that get on that chuck somerville yeah i feel like chuck somerville should develop a 3d like a like a oculus or a um i want i want chips challenge vr i'd be into it vr yeah that'd be pretty fun i mean the way you presented it it sounded like chuck somerville was just waiting to make another chips challenge for 10 years it's like a swan song he only made chips challenge and that's it he only knows how to make chips challenge uh, Seth, what about you? What have you been playing? So recently I've been playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which was released, uh, I was going to say last year, but it was not last year. It was two years ago in 2019 towards the end. So it's almost like last year. Uh, it's a Star Wars game evident by the title and everything in the title. It's a Star Wars game that's in the vein of the Star Wars Jedi Knight series. The game is more action-y than it is role-play-y. Star Wars The Old Republic and Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic are both more in the role-playing sessions where uh, you do like turn-based combat and you progress through a story of dark side and light side winning and losing. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and the Star Wars Jedi Knight series for it are more like concerned about the platforming and action of your character. So you get cool powers, you get to jump across things, you run on walls, you use the force to fight things, slow things down. It's pretty cool. In the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order game, uh, you play as Cal Kestis instead of playing Kyle Katarn, which is a choice, but Cal is pretty cool. So he gets a little robot, like BD-1 I think its name is, and he like rides on you. That's probably my favorite part. I got pretty far in the game and then I stopped playing it for almost a year and a half at least and decided that it was time to get in there and play it because I like Star Wars and with all the Mandalorian, Book of Boba and all that stuff, I got to finish this game so I can be prepared for the next onslaught of Star Wars games that's going to hit us. Since I've pretty much played or beat all previous star wars games if there's one game franchise that i can beat it's just star wars that includes yoda stories that includes yoda stories well today we're not talking about star wars games uh we're talking about uh a game that came out for a system that we talked about in the last episode uh that system is the neo geo and that game is metal slug Uh, as we alluded to back in episode 110 i said that we would be talking more about metal slug and in fact we were talking about it for an entire episode this episode that's uh, right. So it's, it's Metal Slug time. This episode's actually been in the works for quite some time uh, since I thought about doing this episode back when I was playing Metal Slug many, many 
months ago and said, oh, we should do an episode on Metal Slug. And then we got to the time where we were going to do an episode on Metal Slug. And I was like, what if people don't know anything about SNK or the Neo Geo? Maybe they should know about that first. And here we are. If you want to know about SNK and the Neo Geo, just listen to the episode before this one. And if you just want to know about Metal Slug, that's this one. But we're going to set the ground rules that you already know what SNK is and what Neo Geos are. So we don't need to explain those. So before we get into talking about the history of Metal Slug, Seth, do you have any memories of Metal Slug? Most of my memories of Metal Slug are more recent and playing it. It's a fun game to play. It holds up even today. I mean, the game, especially with the rise of like retro gaming and people homebrewing their games and releasing new games for like the SNES and the Sega Genesis, you could say like the 1996 original Metal Slug game, you could say it came out today and people would believe you because it plays really really fluid and is really really good the memories of actually seeing it in the wild as a child are, are few and far between i the arcades maybe had metal slug machines available i was did not know anybody that had a neo geo or a neo geo cd that played it so beyond playing it recently i don't have any concrete memories of it but it's like one of those games that just exists in the like aether where you kind of just know about it if i showed somebody metal slug and was like this game is metal slug by snk they would probably be like i have seen this game somewhere before yeah what about you do you have any memories with it so i don't remember when exactly i first became aware of metal slug i bought a copy of metal slug 3 for steam and i don't remember why or when probably on sale it was probably it was probably on sale and i do like it i do like metal slug a lot i personally haven't seen it in arcades um at least in a while to be fair though i haven't been in an arcade in a very long time largely due to a little thing that has been affecting our entire planet so uh, let's get right into the history uh metal slug first got its start on snk's neo geo hardware in 1996 the game was created by a team of developers who had previously worked on games for a company called irem irem had its start as far back as 1969 when its founder kenzo sujimoto founded a store to sell machines for cotton candy stores. In the 1970s, Sujimoto saw the appeal of electronic games and would soon begin the manufacturing of pachinko machines. Pachinko machines, for those of you who don't know what they are, and I don't think we mentioned this in the last episode when we mentioned them, uh, they're a type of gambling device. Pachinko is very popular in Japan, not so much popular here in America, though I wouldn't be surprised if you might see a pachinko machine in your lifetime if you go to like a casino or something like that there's actually uh usually a dedicated sections of pachinko machines at your local casino for the asian tourists but what you do is you place a bet on where balls are going to fall like into slots then balls fall and <laughs> wherever they fall is where you if you put the bet in the right place you'll win um it, it is actually kind of a little bit addicting because i i have played pachinko uh video games before because they are sometimes found in like rpg games and stuff anyway uh, Sujimoto saw success from pachinko machines and the success he saw led him to the creation of a company called IPM or International Playing Machine in 1974. IPM was originally founded to just build and install video game machines for small stores throughout Japan but Sujimoto saw that there could be a more lucrative option for him which is to create video games themselves. Their first video game was called IPM Invaders. It was it was Clone of Space Invaders, and it came out in 1978. The next year, however, in 1979, they received a letter from the American computer company IBM, and IBM was not 
a big fan of IPM starting to become in the public eye. They requested that they change their name. So IPM responded in kind and changed their name to the International Rental Electronics Machines, or IREM. So the newly named IREM company would continue to make games through the 1980s, and they would make games such as Moon Patrol, R-Type, and a game called Gun Force. Gun Force, and its sequel, Gun Force 2, should be very familiar to fans of Metal Slug, as they share similar graphics and gameplay. In fact, the team that worked on Gun Force 2 would go to leave Irem in 1994, largely due to Irem being mostly inactive at that time with making video games. The employees who left formed a company called Nazca Corporation, which would be eventually acquired by SNK, and they acquired Nazca in 1996. Nazca's first game, Neo Turf Masters, would be released in 1996. This was not a game where you were collecting Neo turf creatures or anything like that it was a, it was a golf game and was considered to be a pretty good golf game their second game would also be released in 1996 this game would be called metal slug metal slug shares a lot in common with the previous games by made by the team from irim but not a lot in common with neo turf masters <laughs> no as we mentioned it plays fairly similar to the gun force games and also uses some similar gra similar graphical assets along with the these similarities it also used sound effects from king of fighters originally the game was going to be centered around the titular metal slug which is an armored tank uh, the game was going to be slower paced with the player piloting the tank across short missions the atmosphere of the game was also intended to be much darker than the final game had this version of the game though was heavily criticized during the initial testing where they tested with a limited audience the overall gameplay was dramatically overhauled with the player character having more focus outside of the tank and the missions being extended and made more complex. However, the tank does show up in the game where you can pilot it for a temporary period of time, but the majority of the game is played outside as your character. The change to the mission length and complexity was also due to SNK hoping the game would do well in the home console market as well as the arcade. Now, just remember, this is what SNK wants. They want six success in the home console market. This will come up when we talk about the numbers. In regards to the plot and overall gameplay of Metal Slug, Metal Slug is what we would call a run-and-gun game. Uh, this is a genre that Seth and I, I think, have alluded to, but we haven't really talked too much about. But it's a it's a really popular genre for arcades. Run-and-gun games are primarily games that involve a character, or multiple characters if you're doing multiplayer, uh, moving from one portion of the screen to the next. Uh, you could have vertical run-and-gun, you could have horizontal run-and-gun. They're pretty much just always moving though. These characters also have a never-ending supply of bullets at their disposal. You can constantly shoot with your primary and you don't have any limit to the bullets there. Um, though if you pick up like a new gun such as a like more rapid fire gun or a spread gun that might have limit to the ammunition. Now besides Metal Slug some other games like Ikari Warriors, Contra, or more recently Cuphead fall under the run and gun style of gameplay. Now in the game Metal Slug the player assumes the role of Captain Captain Marco Rossi and Lieutenant Tarma Roving of the Peregrine Falcon Strike Force. In the game, you go through mission after mission, fighting off swarms of enemies using a variety of guns and your trusty combat knife. You can also hop into a tank 
uh, if you find one, and pilot that for a short period of time. Throughout the game, you encounter prisoners of war who can be rescued for power-ups and other bonus points. At the end of each level, based on the number of POWs you free, you'll receive a corresponding bonus based on the overall number. If you die before you reach the end of the level, your POW score will revert to zero. So if you've saved five POWs and then you die in the middle of the level, you will have zero POWs until you rescue more. Players can die from a variety of means, such as enemy fire, colliding against certain obstacles, or just falling off the stage. And the game is over unless you insert more credits to continue playing. There are six missions in total. Each take place in a variety of locations, such as forests, garrison cities, mountains, valleys, canyons, and military bases. In your path are enemy soldiers, tanks, artillery, aircraft, armored personnel carriers, and the occasional boss that you have to encounter. And the bosses in Metal Slug tend to be very bombastic. They're like screen covering bosses sometimes where you'll like your character will appear very small and the entire screen will be filled with the boss they also have like sub bosses too that like you have to fight like a sub boss and then they go on to a bigger boss type situation one of the bosses that i really liked was there was a train that you have to fight there's also some humor in the game uh so as seth mentioned in the original version it was going to be a little darker in tone they did decide to lighten it up a bit with some humor um so when you encounter enemies for example most of the time they're depicted as like sunbathing or they might be just like joking around with each other or they might be cooking dinner and if they see you sometimes they'll let out a scream and they'll either charge to attack you or sometimes they'll even just run away <laughs> so there is some funny parts about the game uh, the game itself in terms of story takes place in 2028 during this time two militant factions are battling for power the rebellion and the quote-unquote regular army the regular army consists of various nations who are allied around the world the rebellion is a smaller organized group of terrorists and also a splinter military force the conflict largely arose due to the attempted assassination of the president of the united states launched by the rebellion under general donald morden to combat morden the regular army constructed tanks designated as super vehicle dash 001 or metal slugs now in 2028 the tanks were seized by the rebels, and the regular army has begun to fall into ruin. Marco Rossi of the regular army Peregrine Falcon Special Forces Unit decides to unite remaining special forces, and he begins a commando operation to reclaim the tanks. And that's where your story begins. Uh, so in terms of weapons, there's a number of weapons in the game. There is, of course, the pistol that you start out with, um, and the pistol has unlimited ammo, so you are able to just kind of nonstop spam that if you need it. Uh, there's also a knife that you use to melee, and there are some special weapons that you can pick up. The first being the heavy machine gun. Now, the heavy machine gun, as the name implies, uh, shoots very fast and uh, usually carries an ammo amount of about 200 bullets, though you will go through this in a very quick time. Then there's the rocket launcher. Uh, the rocket launcher shoots rockets, uh, which do splash damage as well to enemies that are surrounding the initial blast area. The shotgun has uh, 30 blasts of uh, kind of like a spread that you can do. Uh, there's also the flame shot. And the flame shot is kind of like the shotgun, except it shoots this massive fireball. Um, and that has uh, about 30 uses. And the rocket launcher has 30 uses as well. Most of the weapons have 30 uses, except for the heavy machine gun, which has 200 bullets. And then, of course, there is the super vehicle 001 that you get to occupy and drive around. And you get to drive the tank 
in the game for a decent amount. It's not like some games where you're like on it for a very temporary part of the time. Uh, you're on it until it gets destroyed and then you can find another one. You can take that. And there is a decent amount of time in the metal slug as it were, as, as well as being out of it. Now, how did Metal Slug do? Metal Slug did fairly well on its initial release. Not only was it positively reviewed by magazines of the era, uh, such as uh, Game Machine Magazine, which we talk about a lot on on the uh, the podcast, it earned the seventh most popular arcade machine in June of '96 um, by that publication. The Japanese magazine Game Machine is really uh, one of the gold standards for like archival information for specifically Japanese releases. They gives you they did a lot of um, game charting and stuff like that even back in the '90s. So. That's why they're a commonly used reference. In the United States, it was one of the top 10 highest grossing arcade games in 1996, with Sega's Daytona USA earning the number one slot. I, I feel like Metal Slug is definitely... I feel like it was it was more readily available in Japan, but I feel like it was definitely more appreciated by the American audience. While the game did score very well, it wasn't without criticism, with a lot of people remarking on the difficulty of Metal Slug. The AES version was equally criticized, as it lacked an option for limited continues, meaning that the game could be theoretically completed in one sitting, and thus lost playability i've beaten the original metal slug i died a lot but because there was nothing stopping me from restarting the game i was still able to do it now it took a bit of work to determine how the original metal slug sold mostly because snk took care of the original aes and neo geo cds sales by mail directly and sold them mail order to their consumers so back in the day in the 90s let's say it's 1996 and you wanted to buy the game metal slug for your aes well first off you own a very expensive system so you're probably very wealthy and then you reach out to SNK through mail and place an order, and then they send you a copy, kind of like Amazon, except instead of next day delivery, it's like next week delivery, possibly even longer. Because <laughs> you have to write them a letter. That takes a few days to get there. And then they have to send you the package after they process your payment, and then you get it. I never bought anything through mail. And as a child, I feel like I should have just to enjoy it, the experience, but... I was I I and I know for sure you never bought anything through mail. No. And we were at the end of the era of buying things through the mail. The AES version of Metal Slug was produced in a very limited run uh, and was sold initially in Japan during the summer of its release in 1996. Now, while the U.S. was still kind of digesting the game and starting to really fall in love with it, by the time Metal Slug became popular in the United States and you wanted to order the game from SNK, they had no games. The rumors are that there was a very, very limited amount of AES cartridges created for the U.S. market, around 500 to 1,000 units, but that wasn't confirmed anywhere. It was just a rumor that they produced far less units for the U.S. market than they did the Japanese market. Uh, regardless, if you wanted to buy uh, an AES cartridge, you couldn't. People were desperate to play Metal Slug on their AES system, however. So they would take MVS, which was the arcade cabinet, and take the cartridge out of the MVS 
and convert it to work into an AES system. Now, let's talk about trying to get this game today. If you wanted to get an MVS converted AES cartridge of Metal Slug, you're looking at about $150 to $250. A loose AES copy of Metal Slug without anything but just a cartridge could sell anywhere between $17 to $24,000, which is speculation since the last time a loose copy of the game sold, it went for $1,500, but that was in 2013, which was almost 10 years ago with a vastly different market. Uh, with video game collecting still at a, a pretty high peak with the bubble that hasn't burst, I would say a loose copy of Metal Slug, if it was to emerge, probably seventeen dollars to $24,000 is what my guesstimate would be. The most recent complete inbox, which means it was not sealed. It was just everything that was in the original box when it came out, which means that different, like the manual and the box could have all been sourced from different games, sold in 2020 for $59,500. So that was the last time Metal Slug sold, and it was a CIB copy, which is why we're saying a loose copy would probably sell at this time in this market 17 to 24. I think that's, that's going to be half of what the in complete in box copy sold for. If you find a newly sealed copy of Metal Slug for the US market, you would probably be able to fetch double, maybe even double again for a complete in box copy. There weren't games available and Metal Slug wasn't the only game that SNK did this. In 1996, SNK was manufacturing AES cartridges at a rate that was just 10% of the rate that the company was previously producing in the early 90s. So they were just making this commodity as limited as available which based on the cost of the AES versions of cartridges, which we talked about in our previous episode, not a bad strategy. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work for SNK because they went out of business. They initially declared bankruptcy and then uh, well, they're still around now, but it might not have been a great business practice. Well, yeah, but if you're selling a if you're selling a game for two hundred to four hundred dollars for a cartridge in nineteen ninety six, then what was it four hundred dollars? Yeah, four hundred dollars for an AES cartridge MSRP in nineteen ninety six. You're probably not producing them for ten cents. No, 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 and also you're probably not selling them like off the shelves. So producing producing no, them in lower was... quantity meant that you didn't have no, to yeah they were, it was direct mail it was the only way you could buy them was through mail so there was no retail version like there wasn't they weren't shipping batches to retailers to put on their shelves because you, you have to think about it, like even a distribution let's say you want to have two copies of your game in every state in the united states of america that's a hundred copies right there but that's two copies in every one store in every state more realistically you're probably going to have maybe a thousand copies per state and you know spread throughout maybe 50 stores they weren't working with that they were just making them and you write them a letter and they'll send you a copy if they have them or they'll send you your check back if they don't metal slug was not only a success it was also a franchise building success since the release of the first game there have been six official numbered sequels uh, the most recent game being metal slug 7 which released in 2008 
8 for the Nintendo DS. Along with these sequels, there have also been spin-offs, such as two games called Metal Slug First Mission and Metal Slug Second Mission, which were released on the Neo Geo Pocket Color system. There was also a handheld title called Metal Slug Advance for the Game Boy Advance, and a third-person shooter on the PS2, simply titled Metal Slug, which was released in 2006. An anthology of the first six games saw release in 2006 for a variety of consoles, such as the Wii, PC, PS2, and PSP. This collection was also re-released on the PS3 and the PS4 in 2015 and 2016, respectively. Metal Slug, I think, has this kind of interesting uh, history as well, where there was also some crossover into some of the King of Fighters games. So some of the characters do show up in King of Fighters, um, which is always an exciting time to get to play as some of your favorite Metal Slug characters and beating up some of your favorite Art of Fighting characters uh, or Fatal Fury characters. So that is Metal Slug. That's going to be our Metal Slug episode. Uh, what a fun episode that was. It's time to do our Bawapa, uh, our byway pass. I hope, I wonder if everybody else who listens to the show uh, calls it the Bawapa now, <laughs> if it's just uh, us. Maybe. Sometimes when you're like producing something, you talk to yourself a lot, like in your audience. Like we call it the Bawapa, right? But we're not the consumer of the product. That's true. If you call it the Bawapa, send us an email and we'll give you a free game. You have to say in the email that you call it the Bawapa and then you have to write it out how you might spell Bawapa. Anyway. Do you want me to do the first? You could do, yes. Lead me in. I'll start start listening. Okay. Your game is going to be a, uh, it's a tactical role-playing game so it's a older genre but a popular i think popular genre so in this tactical role-playing game seth there are two forces that you are battling against there is the kind of primary government forces as well as a, a rebellion that you have to um quell because this rebellion is is attacking your primary government forces and you have to do this via a roguelike tactical rpg similar to like final fantasy tactics or shining force if you would um, are you interested in this game? I know you're a fan of Shining Force. Uh, sure. This game is Metal Slug Tactics. Oh, <laughs> let's, let's take some time and um, cut while I look up the game. And we're back. Uh, it looks a lot like Advance Wars, except themed Metal Slug. Yeah. I mean, Advance Wars is a tactical role-playing game, so fitting. This is, uh, interestingly enough, not being published by SNK, but it is being done in conjunction with SNK. It's being published by .emu, which is one of Zach's favorite de- publishers. I am interested. I feel like I knew this exist because I saw, I think, it announced back in 2021. I'm going to put it down as a wait. I don't play a lot of these styles of games nowadays, but it looks cool, and I like the Metal Slug world. So, yeah, we'll put it down as a, a wait. All right, Zach, are you ready? I, I am. What if I told you we've done this before? Not once, but a hundred times. Maybe even more. And unlike the truth, in five minutes, you won't remember any of it. And you have to do it all over again. Okay, what game is this? Life. No, it's actually a game called Escape the Loop. Uh, we'll be right back. I'm going to look up Escape the Loop and uh, find out what this game is all about. And 
And we're back. So Escape the Loop is a game that, uh, as Seth was kind of implying with his description, looks to be a, a like a time loop, which uh, I think is a very cool concept. I personally love time loops. I think they're very interesting. Uh, I also love open world games, which this is. And I like games that are also kind of um, a bit more relaxing in the sense that they are a bit more like contemplative. And that's what this looks like it could be as well. So um, personally, I am into the idea of Escape the Loop. It's being developed by Pixel Maniacs and published by Pixel Maniacs and due out to be determined. And I, um, I'll put it down on my wish list and I'll say it's a buy. Ooh, I haven't gotten a buy on Zach in a while. Yeah, so that's going to be a buy for me. Escape the Loop. That's exciting. I put down my wish list too. It looks like a fun game. Anyway, thank you all for uh, listening to us. We we always appreciate your your time, and we we like when you uh, check in with us and listen to the episode and enjoy the episode. If you want to listen to more episodes, you can always check us out. We are at classicgamingbrothers.com. We also are where you can get any podcast, any podcasting apps. We are available on them. Uh, we can, if you want to send us how you say Bawupa, you can always send us an email at classicgamingbrothers at gmail.com. And if you want to support us, you can listen, rate us, give us thumbs ups, and give us a follow on our social medias. Our Facebook and Instagram and Twitch are Classic Gaming Brothers, and our Twitter is CG Brothers Pod. And we announce every episode on Facebook and Twitter. So there's that. Stay tuned for this year. We're excited to enter this year. Uh, stay tuned for fun and exciting projects that we're trying to get off the ground uh, slowly but surely but uh that's that zach did i miss anything don't play games like my brother and don't play games like my brother i've been zach and i've been seth and we've been the classic gaming brothers that's, that's right. right is there like a big snake enemy i feel like there's a big snake enemy in every freaking game from the 90s i think there's one in metal slug but I feel like there's one in every freaking game. Metal Slug, Rocket Knight, Sonic.